Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. God, we just thank you, God, that you are doing something. God, we often say you're getting ready to do something, but you've already begun it. God, you're doing something in our lives that's going to build momentum and be greater and greater and greater and greater. And we're so thankful for that, God. We're just believing to be the change to our world. We're believing, God, to see the change that our world needs by being the change our world needs. And God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus. Jesus name. Come on, shout amen in the house. Great to see you today. We wrote some articles and some information that we've had available for you on the website. We've given out to you. And here's the lead in in that I wrote for this series. And it says this, are you tired of things seeming to never change and to turn out how you want them to be in life, but instead it seems like you are stuck receiving the same disappointments, the failure or pain over and over again. Instead of always looking and praying and just hoping for those things to change, why not be the change. Come on, shout amen in the house. Why not be the change? We truly believe that God has given you the ability to be the change that your world needs to see. We truly believe that you have the power inside of you to be the change your marriage needs, to be the change your community needs, your family needs, your finances need, your health needs. We believe that God has given you the ability to begin to believe and be the change that your world needs. We just really believe that, that we're going to see through this month change in so many different aspects of people's lives. So beginning tomorrow, corporately, we're going to begin our 21 days of fasting and prayer. Say with me, and prayer. Fasting is good, but it needs to be accompanied by prayer. If you're just fasting, you're just on a diet. You're just going to lose weight. Come on, we're not just dieting. We are doing this to see the power of God move. It's fasting and prayer. And we believe and we ask that you would join with us in any way you could possibly do. And we've been sending our emails to you daily. We've been given information and there is information on our website, Facebook, Instagram. We've been trying to give you all the tools to participate with us. And again, if you haven't been receiving one of our emails, please go to the Connect Zone after church and, and we'll get that information from you so we can make sure that you are on the list with us. It's not a requirement for you to fast, to be a part of the church. We don't want you to feel that. We would love everyone to make the choice 
to be able to partner with us. And it's something that now we've done for seven years as a church to break us out of the normal routine of life and say, God, we just want more of you. We want to give you the first fruits of our year. We want a closer walk with you. We just want to draw closer to you. And I made this statement on Wednesday night, and I'm going to say it again today, both personally and as a church, corporately. I don't know of anything that has impacted my life and this church in a more powerful way than when we have fasted and prayed and sought God. It's the truth. Personally, as a church, we've seen the miraculous supernatural take place. And this year is going to be no different. Let me rephrase that. This year is going to be different. You know for why? Because we're going to see greater things than we've ever seen before. We're going to see greater change. We're going to see God do the miracle. Come on, if you're going to clap, that's like a golf clap right there. Come on, let's clap and praise God in the house. We're going to give God the glory and the honor and the praise. So join with us. Whatever you can do, there's some sheets at the back in the connect zone. If you've got more questions, if we can help you, then please let us know. Listen to the message from Wednesday night. It's up on the website. We answer a lot of questions through the emails the last few days. We've been answering a lot of the questions. Again, trying to give you all the tools that you need. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Verse 3, this is our theme scripture for Be the Change, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3. It says this, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above all the governors and the satraps. That satraps means just the government officials, the leaders of that day. He distinguished himself above all the other leaders of that day. Why? Because an excellent spirit, say that with me, excellent spirit. Because an excellent spirit, it wasn't about him. It wasn't something that he hoped would come. It was in him. Come on, say in him. He had an excellent spirit that was in him and the king sought. Why? Because of the excellence in him, the king sought to set him over the whole realm, which we're going to discover later through this series, caused him problems. There was problems that came because of the excellence that was inside of him. So here's a man, just an ordinary man like each one of us, but became extraordinary. He became extraordinary. Why? And distinguished himself. Why? Because he had an excellent spirit inside of him. What Daniel possessed, what Daniel had inside of him enabled him to be the change to his world. New laws were written because of the excellence that was inside of him. Decrees were made throughout the nation that if people didn't follow, they would be killed as a result. Why? Because one man dared to be the change. Think about what can happen in our worlds if each one of us steps up and says, God, I want to have that same spirit inside of me. And think about the multiplication that can take place of the effects if each one of us are stepping out and being that for God. So there was something inside of him. But when I read things like that, it's easy for us to say, well, I I want that. But that came at great cost. It didn't just happen overnight. He didn't just wake up one day and had an excellent spirit inside of him. There was things that he had to go through. There was, there was standards that he needed to apply to his life. There was things that he had to turn away from. Come on, there was a lifestyle that he had to choose to live. And today we're going to discover, I believe, 
how he obtained an excellent spirit. I think it's a good place to start, don't you? How we can have an excellent spirit, how we can obtain that. And the title of our message is, How to Be Clean in a Dirty World. How we can have an excellent spirit that will keep us clean in a dirty world. And throughout the entirety of this fasting time and prayer, I encourage you to read through the book of Daniel. After verse 7 or after chapter 7, you probably kind of get a little bit confused. Chapter 7 through 12, I believe it is. It's talking about the end times and about different things that may confuse you a little bit. But the first six chapters of Daniel, I believe, is a must read for each one of us. By the time we get to Matthew or Daniel chapter 6, you would realize in reading it that Daniel has served under three kings by this time. There are three kings. There has been Nebuchadnezzar, there has been Belshazzar, and now there is Darius. Three evil kings that he had to serve under, three kings who served foreign gods that were different to what Daniel served, three kings that believed completely different from what Daniel was taught to believe and the morals that he was taught. So he experienced challenges. He probably just began to get used to Nebuchadnezzar and and he was a ruler for Nebuchadnezzar. Then all of a sudden Belshazzar comes. He had to go through the whole process again. And then Darius comes because Belshazzar... dies. Each challenge and each time Daniel had to be consistent. He had to prove himself each and every time. And I I just really believe this shows us that there's always going to be different challenges in our lives. There's going to be different obstacles that we're going to face on a daily basis, different mountains to climb, different adversities that are waiting for us. But listen, if we remain constant inside of us, if we remain constant inside of us, the outcome, what happens around us, is always going to be the same. And you know what that is? We're always going to come out on top. Each kingdom, Daniel maintained an excellent spirit and he was promoted. He was a ruler. He was someone that was special. Why? Because he remained constant. You see, when you possess something greater inside of you, it doesn't matter the force or the pressure that is coming against you from the outside. You see, Daniel had something greater inside of him that no matter what was around him, he would still stand. He wouldn't bow, he wouldn't bend, he wouldn't break, he wouldn't compromise, but he would hold true. I love how Paul says it, and I'm trying not to preach today. I'm trying to get to the message and, and, and just different things. But here's what I want you to do with me today. I want you to help me as we preach today. Is that cool? I want you to help me. This is just the introduction, so I'm trying to just get through it, and then we can start preaching. But I'm kind of struggling already because I'm feeling it already. Come on. I'm feeling it already that God wants to do something. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. It says, but we have. Who has? We have. It's a promise of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Come on, say with me, inside of me. Come on, I have a treasure, the Bible says, inside of me. The earthen vessel speaks of our body, our lives, the structure physically of our lives. That the excellence, there's that word again, Daniel had an excellent spirit. Paul says that there would be an excellence inside of us. But notice the type of excellence, or what excellence is. He says, excellence of the power. Say with me, power. power. 
Come on, excellence is a power that wants to live inside of each one of our lives. New Living Translation says there is a light, there is a power that wants to shine or to illuminate within us inside of us. And here's the source of the power. The excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The power, the source is God. So we've got to be connected to the source to experience the power. Are you with me today? Come on, nod. Do something. You've got to be connected to the source in order to experience the power. Too many Christians are like a decorative lamp. You know what a decorative lamp does? It looks good, but if you would go in most people's house and turn the little knob or flick the switch, there's probably not even a bulb in there. It's probably not even plugged in. It's just looking good. God did not make you to look good. God made you to be connected to a power source that when problems and darkness comes, come on, you will shine with the glory of God. God made you to rise above every circumstance. Come on, you can get excited in the house today. God made you to rise above every circumstance and have something inside of you that when the world comes, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. A power, a power, a power inside of us. Breaks my heart as a pastor to see so many Christians who are so disconnected, living a disconnected life. You know what a disconnected life looks like? You'll be living in some frustration. Nothing will really change in your world. Everything maintains the same kind of way. It just, it's not good. It's not happening. Things are just not going to plan. And that's what I want to call living a life that's lights out. Living a life in the dark. And when you flip the switch, there's nothing happening inside of your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's your fault if you're living like that. Come on. That's your fault. That's your fault if you're living a disconnected life. Why? Because you don't even have to pay the bill to turn the power on. You don't even have to pay the bill because one day he hung upon a cross and he died and he said, hey, I take authority right now. He said, it is finished. But he didn't stay in a tomb. He rose again from the dead and he says, I've got the power. And he gave that power and made that power available to each one of us. He paid it up front. He paid it in advance. And all you and I have got to do is stay plugged in and stay connected. We've just got to abide in God. We've just got to live for God. Come on, say with me, relationship. Relationship is key. You see, it either begins or ends with relationship. What do I mean with that? It begins with it and it ends without it. If you don't have relationship, you're not plugged in. You're not going to have no power. And you wonder why you're down. You wonder why you're defeated. Come on, God wants you to live an upbeat life. God wants you to be an overcomer. God wants you to be the head and not the tail. God says you're above and not the beneath. You're the lender and you're not the borrower. We've got to be connected. We've got to be the change. And in order to be the change, we've got to be connected to the change. We've got to be connected to God. I wonder today, are you connected to the power? Are you connected to the power? And that the power may be of God and not of us. You know why we need God's power? Let's read on. Verse 8. We are hard pressed on every 
side. Wait a minute, Pastor, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for God. I thought there would be no more problems, but yet we're hard-pressed on every side. New Living Translation says we are pressed on every side by troubles. Turn to your neighbor and say, can't stop reading there, though. Come on, we're reading on, we're reading on. Come on, I want you to help me today. Can you read out loud with me? Come on, let's read this together. Go back to the next, that first, first Verse 8, there you go. We are, come on, read with me. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Stop. Let's say that again. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Stop. We're not crushed or broken. Why? Because there's an excellent power inside of us that's greater than the pressure from the outside of us. Come on, read on with me. Are you ready? We are perplexed, but not in despair. Stop. In other words, we don't give up. We don't quit. You better not be quitting on us. Come on, you better not even be thinking of quitting on us. Come on, we're ready to be the change. We're ready to see it. There's maybe pressure, but we're not crushed. There's maybe perplexing times happening all around us. You know what being perplexed means? One translation says we don't have the answers. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't have the answers. Maybe in your life you've been there. I wonder if you've ever been there. I I, I think you're probably there right now. For those of you who are perplexed right now, thank God this message is for you. This series has your name all over it. Let's read on. It says this next verse. It says what? But not persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Don't you love that? persecuted, but not forsaken. One translation says, hunted down, but God never abandons us. There's times it feels like he has. Satan wants to remind us or try to make us think that he has. But God promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be there with you. Amen. Verse 10, read with me. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus, is anyone reading with me, also may be manifest in our body. Verse 10, there's a little bit of a mouthful. Just keep it up there. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest. Really what he's saying there is that even though we're going to suffer in life, we're going to go through things just parallel to the suffering that Jesus went. His suffering was greater than ours in the fact his suffering took him to death, to the point of death. Yet notice this. The suffering, it doesn't end there. The verse doesn't end at the dying of Jesus. But what the life that he came and that life wants to be what manifested in our body. So what he's saying is there, there may be struggles, there may be hardships, but that's not the end. Because Jesus is the source of life and power because he rose again. You and I can have hope that we can remain standing that no matter what may come our way, we're going to make it through with God. I love this scripture because Paul here is reminding each one of us that that even though we may think we have come to the end of our rope and nothing's ever going to change, we will never come to the end of our hope. Maybe at the end of the rope, but never at the end of the hope. Why? Because the excellence of the power is not of us, but the power is of Him. 
Yes, our bodies will be subject to sin and suffering as a constant bombardment. Yet God never abandons us because he won the victory over death and he has given us eternal life. But here's what I want you to see, the be the change part of why I read this scripture today. Because it says this, all our risks, every, every humiliation, every test, every trial, every adversity, every tough day, every broken heart, they are all opportunities for Christ to demonstrate his power first in us, then secondly through us. You see, what we look at as being something so bad, God says it's an opportunity for good. What we say, it better change, God says it's an opportunity for you to be changed. So then that can be changed. Come on now. There's an opportunity awaiting for each one of us so we can be the change our world needs. But you know something about opportunities is this. Opportunities have to first be taken and accepted. There's a saying out there that says opportunity knocks. Opportunity knocks for each one of us, but how many of us are failing to seize the opportunity because we're not taking it, we're not accepting it, and we're not making the decision to say, God, I trust you. Instead, we're being beat down and downcast by what's not happening instead of taking the opportunity to make it happen. To be plugged into the power source that says, God, I want to be used by you. Okay, this is the intro, okay? This is just the introduction to my message. We're just getting warmed up. This is just the pre-game show. We're now going to have the kickoff. Are you ready? So say with me, Daniel distinguished himself. Have you got that next slide? Daniel distinguished himself because he had an excellent spirit. Daniel distinguished himself because he had an excellent spirit. How, why, when? Well, let's look at how Daniel got this excellent spirit inside of him. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 through 7 says this. The passage of Scripture, oh my goodness, help us, Lord Jesus. If you can read that, then God help you. I've got to turn to my Bible now because I cannot read that. And, um, but let's go through it together. You ready? Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his gods. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Aphpenaz, aren't you glad that you weren't around in those days? And please, we're not giving you names for your children. We don't need no Aspenazes. We don't need no Jehoiakims in the house. If that rocks your boat, then go ahead, but we're just saying. Then the master of the eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from amongst those were the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave these names. To Daniel, he named him Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Meshach, or to Michelle, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. These were young men we just read of that were taken from their homeland. It wasn't an easy thing for them to go through. At an early age, they were taken from their family. They were taken from their home. They were forced into a new way of thinking. They were forced into a school for three years where they would be taught pretty much everything that was contrary to their spiritual upbringing, to how their families had brought them up. Nothing was familiar anymore. They had to learn a new language. It was tough. Every day there was new challenges. They had to worship or they were instructed to worship foreign gods. It wasn't good. They were even given a new name. Well, I like my name. Well, too bad you got a new name. Everything changed. Say with me, everything changed. These young men's worlds had been turned upside down, inside out. How would they respond? What would they do? How could they remain clean in a dirty world? How could Daniel be the change? How could he, in an environment like this, have an excellent spirit, the spirit of God, living inside of him? How could he be the change when everything changed out of his control? Have you ever been in a place like that, that you felt that everything was changing and it was out of your control? When we feel like that many times... We feel hopeless, and as a result of the hopelessness, we turn around and say, what's the point? We quit. We give up. Can you see how the enemy wants you to give up? The enemy wants you to give up throughout this fast and praying time. The enemy wants you to give up. It's pointless. You're not seeing the results. Nothing's happening. You're just wasting your time. Come on. The enemy's a liar. And if he is attacking you for what you're doing, it's because what you're doing has power to it. Because if he's bothering you, it's because you're a bother to him. If you're not bothering him, he's not bothering you. So he's going to be bothering you over the next few weeks. He's going to be coming in and trying to tell you and be saying, but those things, even if you could, they couldn't change because of this and that. It's amazing, though. Here's our focus. Just like Daniel, in the midst of such change, he took control of what he could change. I think someone needs to hear that today. He took control of what he could change and he trusted God with the rest. He believed God to handle the rest. He could be, he could maintain his position when everything else was pulling him every which way. How? How could he still be a light in darkness? Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, the first six words, I believe, is the beginning of how he could be the change in a darkened world. Notice what it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. Here's our first point. If we're going to possess an excellent spirit inside of us, point number one, we've got to live with purpose. 
We've got to be living with purpose in our life. What did he do? He purposed in his heart. New Living Translation says he made up his mind. If you would read the scripture in Romans chapter 12, it talks about being transformed by a new way of thinking, by making up your mind, giving your mind to Christ, that transformation comes up through a new mind. He allowed his mind to be transformed in the midst of such filth and such decay that was all around him. He took a stand within himself and said, here I'm drawing a line in the sand and I am not going to cross this. Look what it says in Proverbs 23 verse 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, or so is he, so he becomes. As we begin to think in our heart, he made a decision. He purposed in his heart. He made his mind up. You and I have got to have a purpose. We've got to stand for something. Because if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. Get mad at me all you want. I didn't write that. That's the truth from God's Word. If you don't stand with a purpose, then you're going to be succumbed to every new thing that's going to come. You're going to say, well, that sounds good. I like that. You've got to have purpose in your life that when the enemy comes in, there's a standard of excellence that is raised up against him. To choose purpose for Daniel meant opposition. He wasn't choosing the pathway of least resistance because that which he was around was being forced unto him. But Daniel said, hold on a second. There's some things I will do, but there's many things I will not do. And he knew that that purpose in his life would be faced with opposition. He knew the challenges and the adversity it would bring, maybe even a threat of death for his life if he refused to do what the king had commanded him to do. But yet he said this, I'm still going to purpose to do this. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego later said, we would much rather die serving a living God than live serving a dead God. Amen. That was the purpose they had in their lives. I would much rather die serving a living God than I would live serving a dead God. He determined his position. The world has many options that we can choose from each and every day. The world has many stances of position that we can take. There's any number for any number of things. I wrote just down a few. Think about morals. Think about the world's position today on morals. Morals are in decline. They're, they're, they're gone today. You don't have to live like that. You don't, that's old-fashioned. You see, the choices that we have on the position or the purpose that we're going to take, what's your stance on morals? Where are you morally? What about the boundaries that you have in relationships, the boundaries of places and things you can do? The world has its view on what is acceptable and what's okay now, but what does God's Word say? What is the purpose that you have put your life and put your heart to? The list of what's right and what's wrong. It used to be black and white. You used to know what was right. You used to know what was wrong. But now there's so many gray areas in between that if we were to take a poll of many things today, many of us would say, well, that's wrong. Many would say that's right. And we would have our justification for both. Our justification isn't what the world says. Our justification needs to be what God's word says, what his word says. And we've got a purpose in our hearts 
what we believe when it comes to our morals, the boundaries we live by, what is right and what is wrong. And I don't want to jump ahead and spoil the story for those of you who maybe don't know what happens or what's getting ready to happen. But when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, they were given another chance. The king said, I'll give you another chance. Listen to me. This is why it's so important that you have purpose in your life today because the world is going to give you another chance after another chance after another chance. And what was the chance? To bow, to bow, to bow. You see, you've got a purpose today. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would have bowed that day if they hadn't purposed this day. If you don't purpose in your heart today, you're going to bow when the circumstances and situations come. Come on, in your life, young people especially listen to me today. Don't wait till the opportunity arises or presents itself to decide what you're going to do. Well, what do I do now? Because if you are in a position and you don't know what to do, you're probably too late and you're going to make the wrong decisions for your life. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding in the house today. You've got a purpose in your heart. You've got to know right now because that purpose will guard your heart from the future onslaught that the enemy wants to bring against your life. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, temptation's coming. I said temptation's coming. It says no temptation has overtaken you except is common to man, meaning everyone's going to go through it. But notice this, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. No temptation has come upon you except it is common to man. Temptation's coming, but what do we remind ourselves in the midst of temptation? Come on, God is faithful. Come on, God is faithful. But here's the question I have to ask. Is that faith full inside of you? Is that faith full inside of you? Do you have purpose inside of you that a faithful God will allow your faith to be full that when the troubles and the trials come, you will stand and not bow? You need to know this. Because if you don't have purpose in your life, you can never be the change your world needs to see. Oh, you'll be a change. And you'll change, and you'll change, and you'll change. You'll keep changing, but not in the way that's going to impact your world. Not in the way that we need to see. I believe God's purpose can be so strong inside of your life that even at times when you think you cannot stand and to bow is the only option that your knees will not bend. I believe the purpose of God it can be so strong inside of you that says to you, there's no other way except standing. You may be shocked by this, but you know there's many Sunday afternoons I want to quit. It's been many Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays too. I've delivered a message or just things are happening. I said, God, this is just, it's not happening. It's been some Sundays I can't wait to get out of here and get in my car and drive off. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone because I just feel like I didn't deliver what God wanted and I felt a failure and the enemy came in and attacked me. But you know the the worst time of those moments, I couldn't quit even if I wanted to. Because... Jeremiah said it this way, there was something inside of me. He said there was a fire shut up inside of me 
that was so great that when I want to give up and I want to be silenced, it just rages inside of me. I believe the purpose of God wants to be so strong inside of you that when people come and say you need to do this, even if you just want to go that way and agree with them because it's safer that way, all of a sudden something's going to rise inside of you and say, hold on a second, I'm for a higher cause. Come on, I serve a greater God than that. I'm not going to bow to these things, but God is going to be greater inside of me. Come on, you've got to live by godly purpose. You've got to make your mind up right now. You've got to know the truth because the Bible says the truth you know is the truth that's going to set you free. You've got to know in your life what's negotiable and you've got to know what's non-negotiable. You've got to know what you can live with and you can know what you can live without. And don't confuse the two. Come on right now. Let's just talk about relationships right now. You need to know what's negotiable and what's non-negotiable. When you're looking for someone, non-negotiable is the fact of if they're serving God or not. That's a non-negotiable thing. We can deal with the color of hair. We can deal with the color of eyes. We can deal with the type of job. We can deal with all those kind of things. But non-negotiable, come on, we've got to have purpose in our life. That's for me and my house, Joshua said. We're going to serve God. We're going to live with purpose. Come on, you've got to have purpose. If not, you're going to bow and you're going to break. Next, we see what his purpose was, what the determination of his purpose was. Daniel 1 verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart what? That he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Here's the second point. Are you ready? Number one, you've got to live with a purpose. And number two, you've got to refuse to be defiled. You've got to refuse to be defiled. That word defiled means to make filthy or dirty. Did you know that? The word defiled means to make filthy or dirty, to make, to, to make disgusting in any way. To destroy the purity or the cleanness of anything sacred. To desecrate, to stain, or to dishonor. You know, there was a really interesting definition too that I thought, wow, they're so powerful. Do you know the word defile also means a steep and narrow valley? The word defile means a steep and narrow valley. In other words, it's a big grave. Listen to me, it's a big grave. That if you're living in defilement, you're living in a big grave of death for your life, not what God has for you. Look, Daniel refused to eat the food and drink the wine given to him by the king. Literally, it was that which was set on the king's table. He had the same menu as the king. They had the same chef as the king. The foods would have been absolutely incredible. I mean, let's just talk about food right now because we're not going to eat it tomorrow, but we can talk about it today. The food was incredible. The T-bone steaks, the ribs, just every delicacy, all the cakes and the pies and the pastries and the meringues and just everything that was anything and everything that you could picture and imagine. That was what the king had on his table. And we can read things like that and say, well, what's the big deal? I mean, come on, Daniel, you're getting food for nothing. You should be loving it. You don't have to cook it. You don't have to prepare it. All you have to do is turn up and eat it. Why? There's no harm in that food. There's no harm in that drink. But you've got to see beneath it. As Jews, most of what the foods that was presented to them were forbidden to them to eat. They would eat horse meat back then. They would eat pork, things like that. That was forbidden for them as Jews to eat. And the wine had first been offered 
to the Babylonian gods. So they were drinking something that had first been given to the gods of that day. You see, it's the small things many times in our lives that make the biggest difference. Defilement is a slow process. It's just a little here and it's just a little there. Oh, that won't hurt. Just a little bit here and a little bit there. And it's just enough, but yet not enough to appear on the radar. You know what I'm talking about? It's sometimes it's just enough, but not enough to appear to be so glaringly obvious to us that we'd say, man, I can't do that or I can't be that. It intrigues us. We kind of enter into it and we begin a little here and a little. It just starts with a little lie and it's not a bad lie. It's just a white lie. There's no such thing as colors of lies. Did you know that? A lie is a lie. Come on, look at your name and say a lie is a lie. It's either the truth or not the truth. And if it's a half truth, it's still a whole non-truth. Come on now, it's still a lie. So there's no color. Whoever color coordinated lies. But it's just a smaller. Well, everyone's fudging on their expense accounts. Just a little here and there. I'm just going to try this once. There's no harm, obviously, in that. I'm not going to be addicted. It's never going to affect me like that. I'm just going to try this once. It's amazing that everyone who's addicted and bound just tried it once. If they'd have never tried it once, they would have never been bound. Just, just saying, just saying, just saying. But you see, defilement is a slow process. Back to the garden. Everyone remember the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve? What did Satan use to deceive mankind? He used a serpent, didn't he? The serpent wasn't the devil. The devil used the serpent as a tool that he used. Uh, We think the serpents are devils. I hate snakes. I hate things like that. But it was a tool that Satan used. And it's very interesting what was written to the serpent. Notice what it says. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. One translation says he was more crafty and not as in Pinterest. You know what I'm talking about? He's not crafty as in fixing stuff and making stuff. He was crafty in his design. He was shrewd. He was deceptive. Do you get the picture of what the serpent was? It's not not by chance that Satan chose something that was so subtle and something that was so deceptive to fool mankind. Because it's the subtle little things that mount up to become the major big things. And that was the tool that he used from the very beginning. And it's still the tool that he uses right now. No one's going to know unless you tell them. Nothing's going to happen because everyone else is doing it. The subtle, cunning, crafty things. Got to move on. I believe it's possible for us to stay clean in a dirty world just has to begin with purpose and we need to say my life is not going to be defiled with this filth anymore I'm going to get rid of that going to get rid of it last key point for today Daniel 1 verse 12 Daniel says please test your servants for 10 days and let them only give us vegetables to eat and water to drink here's my third thing if we want an excellent spirit inside of us point number three you've got to expect tests You've got to be planned for and prepared. Tests are coming. Life is full of tests. But life's tests are intended to destroy you. But God can use them to distinguish you. You see, God allows tests in your life to make you stronger. Did you know that? God allows tests in your life to make you stronger. 
Tests are never easy. Anyone like tests? I don't like tests. In the natural, I don't like tests. When the teacher said we're having a test on Friday, that was a day I didn't want to be at school. I had to be there, but I didn't like it. I wasn't all excited Thursday night and so excited going to bed. Oh, we got a test tomorrow. I was excited Friday night because we had sports on Saturday morning and we were playing soccer or something. I wasn't excited Thursday night about the test. In fact, I wasn't too pleased about it at all. But they are a requirement for us to get to the next level. In order for us to get where we need to go, we're going to have to come by the way of tests. To see change in our lives, we're going to have to come through tests. I remember listening to a message once from Jensen Franklin. He was talking about the tests and trials of life. And he said something I thought, wow, that is so true. He said that during the test, the teacher remained silent in the classroom. Think about that. During the test, the teacher has to remain silent. If you've been in a test and you put your hand up and they come to your desk and say, can you help me with this? And and they just kind of step back and go and sit. Oh, go back and sit. Why? Because a teacher cannot talk during a test. Sometimes we wonder why God's not talking to us. It's because he's bringing through us a test. But you see, if we've got the purpose in our hearts that we're not being defiled by the things that we say, do, and are, we're going to make it through the test. You've got to worry about tests when you don't have a purpose. Then you better start worrying. You better worry about tests when you're living every which way and you're living like hell and expecting the rewards of heaven. Come on, you better start getting worried about the tests. But when you are living for God and you're seven, I didn't say you're perfect because none of us are. But when you're throwing your life fully on God and saying, God, I've messed up and made mistakes, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to have a purpose. I'm going to have this and that in my life. We're going to make it through tests. You've got to have a purpose. So when the tests come, you're going to pass it. And that's the progression. It has to have, be a purpose to be clean and holy before God that you can make it through. Many of us want to get to the good part without going through what prepares that to happen. We want the excellence of spirit. We want to be distinguished. We want to be good. We want to change our world. But God says, I have to first change you. I have to first change you. I have to first change you. What's the statement out there I heard once? That if you want something that someone else has got, you've got to be willing to do what they did to get that. It's easy for us to look and say, wow, they're a millionaire. I want to be like them. But you don't see the sacrifice. You don't see the pain. You don't see everything that they had to endure to get to that place. You can't skip one because if you skip one to go to the other, it's going to affect the outcome. I've got to close. Daniel 1, 15 through 17. At the end of 10 days, we're going to do 21 days. But at the end of 10 days later in Daniel, you'll read that Daniel did do 21 days of the same type of fast, which was no meats, breads or sweets. It was just really fruit and vegetable. But at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the other young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave to them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Daniel and these four men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or four men total, 
They had wisdom and understanding beyond everyone else. Why? Because they lived with a purpose. That they weren't going to defile themselves. And that throughout every test, they were going to remain true to God. And through that, they distinguished themselves. You know how Daniel had an excellent spirit? We've just discovered how. Because he purposed that he would not be defiled. And that no matter the test or the trial, he was going to remain true to God. You see, if you want to be the change that your world needs to see, it first has to begin inside of you. It starts with purpose. Then you've got to make your mind up to stay pure and holy before God. And even through the test, you're going to come out on top. Come on, be the change. But to be the change, you must first be changed. For the next 21 days, we're asking God to change us. So we can be the change that our world needs to see. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.